Welcome to the inner world of filmmaking. I'm your host, Tammy McGarrow. I'm a writer, director, editor, and a podcast producer. In this show, I will interview filmmakers in all facets of production and distribution. Today's show, we're talking about film writing with the brilliant comedic writer, director, and editor, Jonathan Hammond, who's won a multitude of awards for his films. Welcome, Jonathan. So happy to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. So you're a writer, an editor, and a director for predominantly most of your films. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into filmmaking? Yeah. So I think it's kind of like a two-pronged answer. I was obsessed with films since I was three. Uh, my mom took me to the first movie. She doesn't remember what it was, but she thinks it was like Herbie or something. And, you know, of course, our Star Wars. I was obsessed. I was like, a, you know, I have a kid with maybe a little bit of ADD and like, oh, there's something shiny. And I look at film, especially as a kid when you're in theaters and you know, most of the stories you went to go see were like sort of bigger than life. Be pompous, but it's a little spiritual because you know you've seen these bigger than life stories. It was like church almost in the dark, collectively with other people. And so I loved film, and I worked in a movie theater in high school, at college. I just I was obsessed. I studied the first year of film school. I did a sight and sound program at NYU. I went to University of Illinois, and I studied film studies, which is more like theory. It was I injected to my English literature degree. So I was always a reader and a writer as a kid. I was doing young authors. Uh, yeah, so my parents knew that that was my thing. They're just really supportive. And so I like in film school, we made a few, you know, like little 16 millimeter silent films with where we actually had a splice. But that just wasn't really practical using actual film. So I just kind of, it just kind of felt to me like by the wayside. And I lived my life, I pursued life as an actor. And I had known this had existed, and I kind of, like, snubbed it a little bit. But it was the 49er Film Festival. I acted in a few with Roman Koenig. My thought was, like, you can't really make a good movie in, like, 48 hours. Why even bother? I was kind of snubbed about it. And then one year, my best friend, Carla, now, uh, said, we're doing it this year. And she, like, bought the what, for the $100 or whatever we entered. And it changed my life because we had made this thing. I didn't write that one. My friend, I was in a play called Bobsy's God. I became friends with the playwright of Bobsy's God, and his name is Burt Royal, and he went on to, like, he's a very successful screenwriter. He, like, wrote um, Easy A, for example. He wrote it, and it was very funny, and we kind, we didn't really have a director. We just had, like, three of us were just pointing the camera and shooting, and the sound was terrible, and the editing, um, sort of the, the comedic timing of the editing was off and everything but you know we made this thing and we're really 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 proud and so we're like let's do it again the next year and i think what happened was i all the other sort of frustrated filmmakers in san diego that's just became an outlet it's one of those things where it's like it's a little low stakes because it's only a weekend but you're still competitive and you still get to be creative and you have to be like especially creative with the obstructions you know the theme the time constraint the character the genre it forces you to be extra creative. You don't get to tell whatever it is you want to say, for example. But I, it really, really helped in terms of you had to kind of learn the technical side of it. Yeah, so that's, I guess, how I became. That's why I started getting into film, was just doing this, like, little competition. Movie Made was not good at all. It was we kind of outlined it, kind of half-wrote, half had the actors improvise. 
and it's it's pretty terrible actually. It's like like hilariously bad, but I think it's important. But then the following year, uh, and then I started to become like competitive, and I'm like, this is like the only like you know time again to like make movies, and it's digital now, so it was like far more accessible. I really want to be like a filmmaker. Like this is something I think I really want to do. If you can't do well with this, I don't know <laughs> if you should like look beyond that. And then we ended up like making a pretty really great movie, and it. Uh, it won and it got into the best of blah blah blah. So then um, after that, we just started actually winning and then making shorts outside of the forty-eight in other competitions. Uh, began winning those, and, and then I'm like, "This is all I ever wanted to do," and now, and now I'm doing it. So, what made you want to get into writing stories? Well, that was like I said, as a kid, I was like always involved with young authors. I was not a precocious kid, but you know, when you're like little and they say, what do you want to be? It's, I want to be a doctor and a fireman and a astronaut. Like I just, I'm like, I want to be an author and a an actor and a film director. I just, I've always been someone who created story. I've always done that. It just seems foregone conclusion that I would be the one like writing them, but also no one else was doing it. Like in our little group, I was the only one with a camera. I was the only one with editing software. We wanted to do it, and it just seemed like, okay, you have to write it. That's It just seemed an inevitability, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but also directing. You also stepped into the directing world as well. Were you just the only one that would step into that, or you're so... Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to be a director. I am, like, um, a cityist. I, I'm mad about film. I don't like when people say, like, do you have a favorite director or anything like that? I'm like, no, because every... It's like favorite film because like your favorite director has not always made there's some movies they haven't made that are good. I just look at that. I just had I think the the strongest sort of cinematic language, but also it's just I was pointing the camera and telling what to do. Like it just seems it, it just seemed like that's just who I am. I'm not like a bossy person or anything like that, but I think it's what everyone else wanted and it's what I wanted. So it was just like uh, an easy fit. Yeah, and I think it, there was no like struggle. Like who's going to direct? Uh-huh. There's no fight or anything. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, and also if you're writing it, you probably have a vision for what you want. It, not only that, so we write to the actors and we write to the direction. So there's this very every the movies always have a very 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 specific tone, and I just want to make sure the writing sees the tone through. Yeah, um, and that includes the editing. So that's that's how and why. You know, everyone's, everyone seemed very happy with it. So, well, that's good. That's good. Everybody has their role. So, your most recent film, We All Die Alone, is a comedy that you directed and co wrote with Ryan Roach. Uh, this film was a 48 hour film project that you redid with higher production value. Yeah. So, my question is, how did you come up with the story and work out the collaborations of writing this film? Uh, that's a really good question. The story, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. What would happen in the throes of just doing these competitions is I would sometimes play with ideas in my head. What would happen if we drew something that's really, really unattainable, like that would require like a high production value? You don't have access to, like, for example, I've never had a Western. Like, what if we drew a Western? I don't have access to a horse or even a cowboy hat or a small town. Nothing, nothing. What would happen if uh, Western was made by Wes Anderson or something? You know, like kind of like do this match. And so that's what I would do. It's play with ideas. And one of those ideas that the scene was just like a shootout where everyone had a gun at them. And I'm like, that'd be funny. And like, I, like I don't have um, squibs or anything where you can like shoot people and 
you had very little time, so it would just turn into a conversation, which I think is funny anyway. So that's where I came from. Yeah. It's a little bit of a rip on the scene in Kill Bill. I forget which one. It was volume one or two where the assassin comes and she's like, I'm pregnant. And then they have that little thing about congratulations. <laughs> you know, right. like, but you have to prove it to me. You know, like, just you're at, a, you're at a standoff, but then, like, something unexpected happens. I love that. So tell me how you worked with your DP on uh, communicating what your ideas were for how you wanted this to be shot. Elliot Fenton did We All Die Alone. Just basically told her, like, I want it to look... This is one thing I say. I want this to be something that you cannot wait to put on your reel. How awesome you are and um, how diverse you can be. I was having trouble sort of narrowing down. I, I just love movies so much, and I wanted my movie to look like this movie, this movie, this movie. You can't do, like, three different movies in one. You have to pick something. But I said, basically, kind of wanted to look a little bit like Scott Pilgrim, like a Bill Pope sort of cinematography, but also a little bit of Goodfellas, a little bit of yep. deep backgrounds. So I wanted to look a little Orson Welles. And that's what I told her. And I, some of those things contradict, in fact. And she's like, this is what I think we should come up with. And she showed me a, a lighting scheme and images from Casino. <laughs> and so that was the jumping off point. She did an amazing job. Just amazing job. Like, I just, I can't, I couldn't believe it. The lights that were precessed. Yeah. I just get, it was just awesome. Anything that you learned on that set that you would do differently or something fun about it? We all die alone. Yeah. So that was a, that was a very expensive movie. And I think that, I think we could probably have made it for half the price. And you paid for it, right? I paid for it with my savings. The way I looked at it is this is my film school. Mm -hmm. Debating whether or not I wanted to go to grad school. uh, I actually still am. Uh, I looked at this as my film school, and I've never really all my all my um, sets have been like really small. This is a big set. I wanted to know how you direct a big crew, so that was valuable. What I learned was, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things I had learned were like uh, detail things, like coverage. You know, I'm like in my mind, this shots. I had the movie in my head, one thousand percent. And I'm like, this shot doesn't, we don't need to like do the entire movie with the setup because it's only going to go here because I know it's as we start larger, we go tighter, 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 tighter. And the DP was like, that makes zero sense to me. I listened to me, not her. She ended up being dead right uh, because we needed that coverage. And then she wanted to do, so but I think what I learned is actually, yeah, I listened to like maybe your DP because she's like, I want to do a shot where like we're um, circling them, like a steady camera, we're circling them. But it was logistically really hard because of uh, sounds, you know, it was like it's such a big circle and not, there wasn't enough mics for everybody. People were talking at the time, so like, like all the choreography. I wish that we somehow incorporated that because that would be really cool. How should I say this? I learned that it's, I mean, in my element doing that. It was a very, very happy three days for me of shooting. And uh, I mm-hmm. want to do that for the rest of my life. Yeah. And you're really good with writing dialogue between, uh, comedic dialogue between uh, characters and uh, really building relationships. They're very funny. Thank you so much. Yeah. So what inspires the stories that you write? I mean, do you have a journal for all your ideas or do you just... No, I never... Uh, what, like, So a lot of these started out as like 48s. You can't write anything down. And I've never done that. It would like live in my head. That place between awake and sleep at night 
is just, I would just be flooded with those ideas, those scenarios. I was relaxed. And, and after I did a really hard cardio session, for, I, for some reason, I would go in the locker room and shower and just like ideas would hit me. You read a lot and you see movies a lot and you see like, okay, here's like this aspect of this kind of plot. What would be something, I keep going back to this, but you have like really, really small production. The only thing you can do, I think, to be taken seriously is to like make fun of it or parody it. So what 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 am I saying? What can be parodied? What can be altered? What can be made fun of? And then just, you know, like I just like to see what are the different ways you can mash things up? Different genres, like uh, styles, directors, you know, what seems idiosyncratic, but what would work? Yeah, like like here's a gangster movie, but let's turn it into a fantastical gay romance, you know? Right. You know, yeah. this is those things. It's just playing around and seeing what sticks and then and then you have that like that moment where I kind of like, oh my god, my idea just took my breath away. And so you I just I put it somewhere in my mind and and and, and hope to get to it. So we stopped doing the forty eight, but I still have like I want to do. And like a lot of the really good ones were we put into the forty eight. And I'm like, ah, that that will not ever live in a film festival because the production value is so low. I'm like, I would I would love to I would love to have my own show like uh, like a Black Mirror type of thing, but more in my sensibility, which is right. Maybe scary, but you know, there's always that kind of like cheeky humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when you go into these forty eight. Uh, our projects, since it's such a fast turnaround, I'm sure that's helped you with the speed of writing these scripts. Yeah. So We All Die Alone was written in three hours. And we just played it at a film festival. And they said, I was really touched because <laughs> during the Q&A, one of the filmmakers like just stopped and said, your writing is so good. I just wanted to say that. Like, how long did you write it? And I'm like, three hours. <laughs> yeah, there's just something about, you know, for me, like, having the deadline and the pressure, it's when I'm definitely at my best. Um, and that's, like, I included, like, in college, you know, it's like, I have to study. And I I would just do really well on tests when I had all that pressure. And the same thing with writing. Same thing with any of these, you know, like, the film construction had the, the film con challenges, and you had a month to make a really high highly polished film and I just I did quite well I won those but I needed the pressure I, I just do well yeah and then how much time did it take to did you do any rewriting for your higher production value of yeah, we did. and then how long did that take I, it's hard to say how long it took it's mostly not there is some out different elements so there was like on you know there's two sides like two different games one and then on the forty eight one had four people one had three people so we wanted to even it out so we wanted to add a person it's this a little dicey thing to say but I the, the moderator character was a woman and she she's my friend Katie and she was amazing and hilarious uh, but I kind of got scolded for having a woman get like killed for like comedic purposes. And, you know, and being, like, the, sh- the shrew and stuff. And I, I I didn't agree with that. Most people didn't agree with that. But I didn't want, also, my movie to be DOA before it came out. You know, I didn't want to offend anybody. I really didn't. Uh, and I wanted to be, like, a good feminist. So I, uh, I, re- I <laughs> ironically, replaced the woman part with a male part. Those things changed a little bit. And there was just a few, like, actual, like, logical things. So you're asking, how long is it going to take? Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It wasn't too long. Uh, a month maybe but you know we just kept like 
here and there, like, oh, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And also, it depended on, uh, like, the location. If we have location, can the, this person be in the middle already, or they're coming out of a room, blah, blah, blah. So we had different, various scenarios ready to go, and no, knowing we had a rewrite. Um, I would just say, like, if you put it all together, just a few hours, probably. But it was spread out over uh, several conversations and several months. Well, right. And you already had the full script written, so it's just massaging yeah. it to be a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how was it? Um, Ed, could you just tell us a little bit about what the film's about? Okay. So it's it start, what you think it's about. It's not what it is what you think about from the beginning. It's there is there's two gangs who have to have, like, you know, just kind of the exchange in the warehouse, you know, secretly at night. You have all the tropes of, like, a gangster movie. And then there's the person who's overseeing it, um, overseeing the sort of transfer of funds. Someone's, someone was killed, so they're, like, basically paying so they don't, like, go to war, um, having a street war. And then things go awry. Everyone pulls a gun. One, one, one person pulls a gun at another person. And then it kind of cascades. And then you have an eight-way sort of Mexican standoff with moderator in the middle. And it turns out the moderator isn't really like someone equipped for this. He's like a marriage counselor. And then <laughs> it spends the rest of the movie with people like either talking, you know, they don't know what to do because everyone has a gun. So they talk about like Mexican restaurants and then uh, two people actually um, had, been, had their crushes on one another. And and then it kind of turns into a little, like a love movie, <laughs> right? I, I love that you put LGBTQ. You know, you you always have gay characters. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, and so that was the, another thing. So when you asked me about um, massaging it, one thing I wanted to do, and this it's it's not like uh, something that was like just burning at me or anything, but it was slightly annoying. Is you know when you watch a lot of um, genre films, you would you would always have uh, gay characters that I felt were a bit of a token, and I didn't mind that a lot because at least there was some kind of representation. And you can say, well, at least they're trying. Um, and I like when I look at it, it's like the Mex. It was an okay movie, the Mexican with Julie Roberts and Brad Pitt. You had uh, oh god, his name just escapes me. The Sopranos, Tony Soprano, who played him. Anyway, his character was like the sacred gay hitman. And then they kill it off. And then so you always have like these like little peripheral characters that are killed off and they don't have a lot of stake. Rock and roll uh, had one with uh, Tom Hardy playing one. You know, and, and another thing is like I love, 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 love Quentin Tarantino. I always have. And I don't think he's ever had a gay character. Not that you look at those kinds of characters and say, well, I need to be represented in Hitman and all that. Basically, queer actors don't get to have the fun that you get to have in, like, Pulp Fiction, Once Upon a Time, or anything So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make sure that this happens, and I'm going to let these peripheral characters who are killed off literally hijack me. So it was, very, it was strategic in that way. So how does somebody see this film? Is it available, or? No, it's in the film circuit now. We're still waiting to hear, like, the majority of the film festivals. It will be playing if you're in the San Diego area. In the near future, I'm not sure when this podcast will air. Okay, but it will. It, today it's playing in Santa Monica, and then it plays 
at the Oceanside Film Festival. It plays at Borrego Springs. It plays at Idlewild. Okay, that's great. And then another film you did, My Friend Death. Loved that. Loved it. How did you come up with that? Okay, so again, I like that when I'm at night. That I don't think it's really fair to say I came up with that. So that's based on uh, Creepy Little Death Poems, which is a poem by one of my best friends, uh, Tiffany Tang. It's not a poem, it's a book. And they're not really poems, they're just more like vignettes. And she was going through a depression, and she wanted to, she felt like she owned it and befriended it. That's the way she could manage it. And it came out in the form of the Grim Reaper. So she has this book with the Green Ripper and her kind of like baking cookies and watching TV and talking about boys. It's absolutely fantastic. It's ch- it's charming and like it's very simple but like deep in the simplicity. Uh, I was just laying in bed when I'm like, well, that's kind of fun. And then, and then I'm like, well, what would happen? And then it kind of like took off. Where I came up with this whole crazy other plot where they're hanging out and, you know, he's death, he's got to go do his thing and then he accidentally kills the wrong person. He kills her date, you know. So that is um, that is something that we uh, we do want to make into uh, a full length. That is probably going to be next thing I do is make a full length of that because we love it and it's it's very funny. But you you saw the short. Yeah, I I thought it was so funny, especially in the in the bookstore sh- where he's like, "Go talk to him." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it was just like a friend. It was so cool. I love that. And so, yeah, that was the thing. Like, I don't want to, like, be presumptuous and say, I think it was, like, Charlie Kaufman, but I like how in Charlie Kaufman or Spike Jones films, you have just the most fantastical thing happening, and they treat it like it's just, like, really lo-fi and chill and normal. I love that. And so that was that was my approach. So you know that. You know that's the scenario. And so that's the thing. I know the tone, and then I write to the tone. And I direct to the tone, edit to the tone. I think that, to me, that's like the most important aspect of all of it, is having a sense of tone, of what you want to see and do, and like sort of the visceral feeling you want to convey to the audience. I think that's always the the strongest and best jumping off point. That's what I do. For some reason, you want to like hear my advice on writing? That's that's what I would say. Thank you. And that was... That's important. That's important to talk about. Yeah, definitely. And I was involved in the 48 hour film project with yeah. you, yeah, you as uh, one yeah. of your editors for Time Hole, yeah. a quandary in seven yeah. minutes. It was. And you did that. And you did that. Um, DIT too. DIT, yeah. Yeah, that was so fun. And it was so funny. We all have to hold in our laugh until you said cut. <laughs> that was like the funnest set I've worked on. Because oh, thank you. yeah, it was just so fun, and the the movie was funny, and everybody did such a great job acting it out. Can you tell me about that film? What's Time Hole about? And then how did you come up with that storyline? <laughs> Time Hole again. It's like one of those things. Is okay. We're making a forty eight. We probably can have one location. Okay, we have this building, so it's going to have to be a conversation. What is absurd about this? And I feel you can, you're allowed to do so much when you're being absurd right. and you're being silly. So it just became kind of like, okay, you have a time traveler from the past, like Terminator, make it action. And then another time traveler comes to the Terminator. They're coming to kill the person to change the future. And then, but if that happens, then someone who wants a different future has to ha- kill that uh, Terminator. And so it just became like this 
spiral, and then everyone's like yelling at each other. One person kills each other. Two people dated, so I, I, I do have a theme, right? But the the thing is, everyone did a really good job. Yes, they did for sure. But also, we write to the actor like this person is really good at being boisterous and doing zingers. This person is really good at being serious. And if you play this serious, we know that will actually come off funnier, like that kind of thing. So we, you know, we look at the person, we look at their abilities and and just their persona or personality overall. And, and we write to that, you know, wouldn't it be funny if so-and-so said this, you know? Right. So definitely, definitely like on these kinds of projects, it 100% helps that, these are all my best friends. Well, yeah. And I think uh, I do the same thing when I write films is I write for the actor. Yeah. Because that way, you know, they're going to nail it. Yeah. 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 It's a win-win. It totally yeah. is a win-win. M- many of my friends are actors. That's you can't say they can stretch themselves as an actor to play this and let them do that. Great. But since I own the material, I can stretch it too a little bit to make it just more of a win. Yeah. And so, you know, we're doing this thing now, and I don't know who's going to play the lead. Like, I actually don't know. And this is my first time I think this happened, and we might have to audition people. But I know, like, whoever we cast, like, it'll be rewritten to accommodate. It's not even just, like, like someone's talent. It's like, what is their energy? I think that has a lot to do with it as well. What kind of tone is this person? (laughs) Yeah. And then when you're writing uh, for the characters and then you're directing them, do you just give them flow for improvising or or how do you work that once the script is done? Uh, No, because (laughs) there is, you know what? I don't like this question because I sound like like a pompous, like super serious, like I'm not David Mamet. But I do, when I do write it, there is a cadence and there's a flow and there's like, the comment is there for a purpose. And it's it's just a timing thing. And so mm-hmm. everything is meaningful to me. And if you say something, and I think about what they tell you, I, I, I'm not the best, I don't think it's the best, but one, one of the things they say is, when it comes to screenplay, say as much as you can in uh, as few words as possible. Screenplays are really uh, many times about efficiency. There's always outliers, but it's much of the time it's about efficiency. So if someone is like, I'm trying to convey this with a bunch of sloppy words, like, uh, uh, bah, uh, bah, and they're not, you know, they're conveying that piece of information two or three sentences when I had it at five words or something, or, or the five words was two sentences, but like proud of the poetics of it. And, and, and honestly, I don't have, that's not an issue. That's not a problem. I have had people improvising now that's not to say there will be times and moments where you will let them being on the time constraints we've had you haven't really had that opportunity i will i would love to do something with you know very like scorsese we're kind of go off the rails i would love to do that and i think it's appropriate but but for what we're doing especially since the timing they've had to be under so many minutes or a short, you know, even the short where we're not in the competition, the festival still wants you to be around 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So you you have to be concise. And also it has to reflect that with the editing. It's not that I'm like, you can't do that. It's no one has done it either. Well, and some of your dialogue, like with Time Hole, is very uh, dialogue specific to the genre that I don't know that you can improvise that. Right, 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 right. And, 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 yeah, and then people have, like, known this character for a day. Right. <laughs> or even a short, you know, it's not like, it's not like, every short I've had actually rehearsed, but it's not like, no, but only a few, like, 
one or two rehearsals. But it's not like someone's like living, breathing this character where they have an ownership of, they know the thoughts better than I do. Mm-hmm. So if that were to happen, like I would love, you know, like in uh, like a lot of Scorsese movies, from my understanding, there is a lot of improvisation. And I would love to do something like that, you know, where the actors knew that character and they were really good at improvisation. Are you writing a feature anytime soon? I'm writing a feature now. That's why I moved to LA. Uh, it's called Bad Asses. I'm like in the middle and I'm like struggling right now. Start trying to start fundraising once I'm done with my first or second draft. I'm halfway through the first. It took me a while to outline it. It's based on a short story by Mark Leitner from this book, Under the Sea, and is incredible. It's right on my alley. It's about a teenage girl. Two teenage girls are best friends. And it's sort of like a hybrid between Clueless and Goodfellas. It's like a dark comedy coming of age uh, thriller. It's very, very suspenseful and very funny at the same time. So what happened was I was going through Facebook and I saw someone, my friend Julia, Julie Dixon. I thought she said, this book is incredible, read it. Like, and she posted her, her mic and I looked at it and I read the synopsis. I'm like, oh, this is great. Like this story badasses. So I ordered it and I read it and I loved it. And then it turns out Julie didn't post that. Wow. I, sw- I swear she did, but she's like, no, I... I, I have a vague idea what that book is, but I did not post that. So someone else did. Whoever posted that, thank you. I just, I, someone said, it's Julia. So I read the book, uh, loved it, put it down, forgot about it. A year ago, a year and a half ago, I guess at this point, I was in, my sister bought a condo in, in Utah to Airbnb. And they hadn't started Airbnb yet. And I, I was visiting her, my, my nephew's and niece. And the first day I was there, they rented a boat, and I think it took off too fast. My niece was flying off the, the inner tube, and look, she was hurt, so I jumped in the water. She, she was fine, oh. um, but I had my phone and my car keys in my pockets. I was in my trunks, and they say it's the bottom of the lake. So I was, and I had like an electric, and I, you know, I had no way of getting into my car, and they had to make a replacement key and mail it. So I was stranded there for like a week and a half. I, I had my phone though. I was bored and like going through the recess of my mind and I remembered this story and I had never done anything like this before, but I wrote the publisher, I emailed them from my phone and I said, I would like to learn about how I can, if I can option the story. And the author wrote me the next day and we talked on the phone and we became friends. Wow. So I've optioned it. Yeah. And how close are you keeping to the book? So that's the thing. I, I don't, I don't think he'd mind me saying this. Like we we're in this together writing it together I, 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 at first I'm like I was just going to write it and then we ended up talking so much that I'm like I think you should write it with me but the book is a short story so I'm like I don't know like it has to be expanded and we've had similar ideas on how to expand it and other, other ways that works so he ended up doing an outline that I wasn't it was a really good outline but it wasn't the book and I hope the, or the story and I felt it changed significantly and I felt the character change and I'm like this isn't what I wanted to do it like it was one of those things because short and needed an extra. I, I'm calling it an arm. It needed like extra plot. I have since figured it out, and now we're like mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm in the middle of, of, of writing it. So I, I am keeping it. It's definitely expanded. So when you uh, collaborate with other writers, are you predominantly the main writer? Yeah, 
and then they just give you story ideas and maybe some dialogue. Yeah. And then you write. So with Ryan, um, I don't think he might be saying this. Like, we would write. I, this is the majority of the time. There are a few exceptions. But most of the time, I'm at the keyboard. I'm writing it. I'm structuring it. It's often my story. And he sits behind me and says, no, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Or <laughs> I listen to him or don't. This is what I should say. And then he'll, like, go off on this, like... <laughs> He's really good, like, <laughs> non-sequitur tangents. <laughs> and he'll go on some tangents. That's really funny, but I'm like, uh-huh. that's out of a movie. And so I'll take, like, a line from that. Uh, so he's good at doing uh, uh-huh. that and, like, little zingers and things like that. Now, when it comes to, I can't tell you with Mark, because I, I don't know if I'm writing it on my own totally. He wants to have a stat. We'll see. I would like, just so you know, this guy is, New York Times, just, I can't say, he's a poet, like, he went to um, Iowa Writers Workshop, which is like the most prestigious writing program in the world. Like his book of poetry just made it New York Times. Mm-hmm. Was it top five books of poetry of the year? So he's legit. Wow. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I'm excited. I just, I just, I, there's a really great movie in there somewhere. Yeah. The only other thing that I've written would be by myself. We did a four points and my friend Brent Roberts and I wrote. I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, that's generally how I go. Well, I mean, you're brilliant for doing a 48-hour film project film. It has to be up to four to seven minutes. But they are so funny, and you always are a top winner. I was always like, I want to get on this guy's crew because he's always top winner. (laughs) Yeah. So you usually have ensembles. Yeah. I've noticed. And is that kind of uh, the Quentin Tarantino style of having... No, it's, it, that, that's 1,000% practical. It's because all my friends are actors. <laughs> and so we were like, hey, guys, come be in the movie. And so they would come be in the movie. Uh-huh. We, we didn't know any better. Like, that's that's all. We, we didn't know. Like, are we going to need... Like, someone's going to have to play the grocery store clerk or whatever. We just, It was safety. But then we're like, well, we don't want someone to be there all day just to have, like, one line. So then we would it would just turn into kind of an ensemble, yeah. But it's also like just really fun to have like your friends hanging out for a day, yeah, on set, being creative. No, the, yeah, and and they're they're great actors, so you've got a good ensemble yeah, to be. They are, and that's why I'm really lucky. That's why I'm really excited. I, I think I've had like some dialogue or some lines that really fell flat. Right now, do you write every day or? I have been. No, I don't. I don't. But I I should. But I I have been. Since moving here, because I am working on a specific thing. Yeah. I think there's something good to be said about, like, taking a step back and recharging. You would ask me what I regret the most in life. It would be that I haven't written more and written every day. I was listening to a podcast where Danny Strong, he he wrote, like, uh, recounts and, like, some of the Hunger Games movies. He said, he was asked that. And he said, yes, I write every day. And if you don't write every day, you're an amateur. And that, like, that really, like, hit me hard. Yeah. No, I I think uh, it's a lot of hard work. I mean, it's a lot of hard work to sit with your film <laughs> every day. Yes. Yes. And it's like a puzzle that can be like puzzles yeah. and stuff, you know? And then if you're like, I just don't, I, it's there, but I don't see it. It's, it can be really frustrating. That's where I am, right? Yeah. But yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But you're great. You know, I, I really do hope. Hope you you do some features because you're funny. I mean, your writing is good. That's the I thank you. That is the uh, name of the that that's the game. That's the plan. Yeah. Um. Do you have any tips to tell other writers? Suggestions. So I think that would be it. 
to write as much as you can. I see a lot of movies with a lot of potential, and they're they, they're shot well. And I think there's a disconnect with the script. I think everyone should really, really work hard on the script. It's hard to say, like, because every movie's different and the needs of every movie is different. But just, you know, just remember that... I'm I'm thinking of, like, one filmmaker in San Diego in particular right now. I'm not going to say who. But I'm like, if the actor isn't able to deliver, rewrite for their strengths. And there's a lot of really good actors. There's so many good actors in San Diego. And then just, you know, remember, it is about efficiency. Is this, has this been said? It's cliche. So, so, you know, avoid those things. Yeah. How is this different? How is this original? But also just fail, fail, fail. Have so much freedom in failing. It's great when you do, because that's when you learn. But also just be aware. (laughs) Are you failing here or not? You know, instead of repeating mistakes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for being on the show. This was great. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to get out there and make a film. Reach out to your local filmmakers group to get involved and connect. Please subscribe to the show if you like it. And follow me on Instagram at Tammy Maguero. Until we meet again, what's your story? <laughs>